Cheers, Jack. Um, will that pick us up from here? Yep. You're all good. We're all good to go. We're recording now. Um, so, first of all, uh, welcome to a, a very special Coach's Corner Loon Dive uh, from Tucson, Arizona. Callum Williams here with you, uh, alongside the merriest of Minnesotan men. Head coach, Adrian Heath, assistant managers, Mark Watson and Ian Fuller, and the goalkeeping coach, John Pascarella, as well, and our PR man, Eric Dirk, he's loitering in the corner somewhere as well. So first of all, um, before we get into the football stuff, naturally we're going to cover plenty of that. You've all gone for a, a specific drink today. Gaff, I know you like your, your Pinot Grigio. Why? Yeah. Why? Um, well, years ago, I used to be a beer man, and uh, I, I got a severe bout of gout about Did you really? four or five years ago, and uh, the doctor gave me a couple of ultimatums, and he said, well, try white wine, that might help you in the beginning, get off the real heavy malty stuff and all that, so basically started from there. So, uh, touch wood, not had the gout, take the tablets, and I'm fine. But uh, I feel better for drinking that than pints of Boddington's, I've got to be... Got to be t- <laughs> well, I've seen you sometimes the morning afterwards, and you seem to be the most fresh-faced out of everybody. So there's got to be something in it. That's the genes, though. That's <laughs> the genes. <laughs> and completely opposite with you, Fuller. You like your IPA, don't you? I do. Uh, going to Portland, Oregon, that's kind of what we uh, had uh, to, to drink at first, and so you got used to it, and it's really the only beer that I, I really, truly like. Um, I've just started to get into wine a little bit, but IPA is my, uh, my choice. But he was born on a dairy farm, so it used to be milk. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing he drank until he was about 19. (laughs) It's about the same consistency as whole milk. (laughs) Uh, Well, so, your your drink of choice. Uh, I I looked high and wide and couldn't see it anywhere. Uh, But but go on, why your specific drink? Tito's and Seven. That's the one, yeah. So, I was a beer man for a long time as well, but um, due to medical advice... It's a lot of medical advice around this table. Yeah, do medical advice to cut down on calories. I went to went to vodka, so and then had a little spell with with red wine. Spent some time in California wine region, Mm. and due to some high cholesterol numbers, I've been instructed by my doctor to have two glasses of red wine a night. So it's it's mainly for medical reasons. Oh, that's okay. That's my my (laughs) story. Doctor, he hasn't told you to bring the glasses. JP, you, why? Uh, Crown and Seven, and why? Um, I'll drink almost anything. Just However, as long as it's wet. As long as it's wet. <laughs> I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, However, the fact that social media has become so prevalent in our business, uh-huh. holding a, a beer bottle or a glass of wine sometimes gets you in a, in a bit of a bind. When I hold a glass of Crown and Seven, it looks no different than ginger ale. Right. So I can just use the excuse that I was drinking ginger ale. Well, deceitful. I was going to say it is. It's it's very goalkeeper esque in uh terms of deceiving and reading the game and. Everybody always says goalkeepers are nut jobs. Yeah. That's no different there, is it whatsoever? That's insane. True. I actually think they're the brightest and the, yeah. most, and the most cerebral. And I think that answer kind of resembles that. And that, and that tells you how mental they are because he's coming out with that nonsense. Again. <laughs> All right, um, let's get into a bit of football. A lot of fans really want to get your guys' opinion as well uh, in terms of going deep into it. Pre-season so far, a lot, lot of new adjustments on the roster as well. Um, Gaffer, we'll start with you and, and your thoughts on pre-season so far, what you, you've seen from the group. Good, we've enjoyed having the group. Obviously, a lot of new faces and uh, 
you know, the, this time of the year is important to, to get everybody to feel comfortable within the group, you know, getting getting the camaraderie going and getting them feel comfortable with each other is as important as getting them physically and mentally prepared. We've suddenly, I think, over the last sort of five or six years, I think, taken a different sort of look at pre-season in terms of people panicking with results and people talking about teams who've had a great pre-season, they've won every game and then they go and lose the first four on the road and mm. people go, oh, what's going on? But it's it's the most important thing and the only thing that's on our mind at this moment in time as a group, of, as a staff, is getting this group mentally and physically prepared for the first game of the season in Vancouver. Yeah. You know, and, and when you've got games in the middle of that, you look at some of the games at the weekend, I think Vegas were beating Toronto 5 and I think Philly were nil-nil with USF, the yeah. college team and the other team there was another one Seattle lost to Atlanta 7-1 7-1 and people go oh my god you know let's just all calm down and think about what this is about this is a period to try and get everybody on the same page how are we going to attack how are we going to defend transition all the, all the sort of stuff that you do most pre-seasons but uh, when you bring in a few new faces and we, we're still hoping to bring a couple of more in then obviously you know we've got more bodies and more people to fit in but so far it's been very good we've been out the cold you know <laughs> I feel for the people back home but uh, it has been nice being down in Arizona in 70 degree weather and it's uh, so far so good the lads have been good one lad in particular, Watto, I know is a, a, a chap that you know very well from your time at San Jose Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Ike O'Para, talk yeah. to us about that and how that trade came about and, and what he can add that this side haven't had. I mean, I think it's a big trade for us. Um, you know, we, we look, have been looking to strengthen the back line this offseason. It was one of the areas of, uh, of concern for us. You know, I think to find someone who has been in the league and knows the league, has been one of the best defenders, has athleticism. It's another thing we're looking for. So I really ticked all the boxes. Um, he's been playing in a really good Kansas City team. I had him as a, as a draft pick coming out of Wake Forest, and he was 19 years old. And he had a lot of raw potential, but he's, he's now kind of worked himself into, into a top defender. You know, he's, uh, he's got experience, he's got leadership, he's, he's still very athletic, his feet are tidy. You know, he, he, he really was... Um, someone that kind of ticked all the boxes and his name was kind of spoken about a little bit. I think there was, there was some, some initiative from his part. He, he wanted to be in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once those two things came together, I think um, we were very focused on getting the deal done and, and we saw him as a perfect fit for what we needed. I think um, also what's up as well is, it's, you know, if you look at Kansas over the last four, five, five six years, won the Open Cup a couple of times, support Shield, been to the final. Mm-hmm. He knows this league inside out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we can put enough, put enough on that because it's one thing that we've, we've lacked at times. Somebody who knows this league, he hasn't got to come in and go, well, what's it going to be like on the road? He knows everything about this league. Yeah. I think that's going to be huge for us. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And, and he's a great guy. He's, he's, a, he's yeah. a great person, a positive person. And he's, he's a leader. He's someone that came, in, came into the room the first day and said hello, real positive, but he's got leadership stuff and... And that's been evident off the field and on the field. I think the other thing as well, we had JP with us. Yes. And obviously, how long were you there, JP, with Ike? Uh, five years with Ike. And, you know, all the things that the guys have mentioned are all great qualities he has. The other thing he brings is he brings a winning mentality. Mm. He's, he has been part of a group that has won. Um, so there's an understanding there of what it takes. And that leadership, both on the field vocally and in the locker room, 
is is crucial for us. Yeah. It'll be a big signing, no, no doubt. And Gaffey mentioned it earlier on as well about new players coming in. And Fuller, I want to ask you about this. Um, the centre of midfield, obviously that has been redecorated. Ozzy Alonso and Jan Grigish coming in to, to the centre of midfield. How much is it going to help with balance for this team as well? Because you, the, the team, they, they pushed forward so quickly last season. You, you blasted forwards. And then it seemed that at times you were exposed, and a lot of the time that exposure came from the centre of midfield. Now you've got an element of stability in there. How much will this help? Yeah, I think the additions of Jan and, and Ozzy were tremendous. Uh, you know, over the off season we did a great job bringing them in. Um, but then when you actually see them in person, I think we've become tickled pink seeing them in, in midfield. Uh, the stability they give us, the understanding between the, each other has been fantastic. Um, just the, the positionally, they just get the position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I think in the past, we, you know, we've always kind of tinkered about what kind of player we want in there. But I think we found the perfect complement to, to not only those two together, but the group surrounding them. Um, and, and I think they fit in with the group really, really well. They're extremely hard workers. You know, Oz knows the league incredibly well. He's been a winner, been uh, an MLS Cup champion, made the playoffs every single year. And, and Jan is just a st- stability, a, a big guy that's got great feet, um, just a calming influence with the whole group. And I think the pairing uh, between the two are going to be, um, we're hoping, quite successful for the team and hopefully for the next few years. Lovely set-piece ability as well. I didn't realise Jan Gregorsch was that good on set-pieces. Yeah, great delivery of the ball. Yeah. Um, and something that we've lacked, consistency in delivering the ball in the box on set-pieces, especially corners. Um, and we've got, you know, I was looking at this, if you look at the roster, we've, we've added seven players since halfway through last season. And that's seven players who were playing in the team. Yeah. We're hoping to bring a couple more in. Then you add Finley coming back. Then you add Molino. So it's been a big changeover in in probably the last six months on the on the roster, and uh, I think we've upgraded in every position. So that's why we probably sitting here a lot more confident and, and pleased with you know what we've done so far than we have in the past. JP, let me ask you. Uh, it's a question for all of you, but particularly JP from a goalkeeping point of view. Uh, Dane Sinclair, take me back to draft day. I'm assuming this is someone that you'd all looked at for the last couple of years when he was at Maryland. What can he offer? How, how good is he? How good can he be? He's he's a very good, at this moment, he's a very good college goalkeeper. Right. He is, he's come in with a fantastic pro mentality, but I think he's a couple years away from being a very good professional goalkeeper. He has all of the physical tools. He seems to have the right work ethic and mentality. It will take him a little while to get adjusted to the speed of the game and to be able to read the game at this level. But I think he has all of the right qualities to be a very, very good MLS goalkeeper. We just can't rush that process. Mm. And that's the one thing a lot of people want nowadays, don't they? They just want instant success. Yeah. Yeah. Experience is experience. Yeah. It's gained over you know, a few years. It's gained over you know, a lot of ups and downs and bad moments and good moments. Yeah. And you start to understand what your job is. And I think... You know, as JP's just said, he's just starting and he's, he's really young for a goalkeeper. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we've got to look at the fact, I don't know how many college games do they play a season? 20, 25. Not really, is it? No, so, you know, even even in them, them terms, he hasn't played a lot of games. So, he's a project, but I think if you were going to 
you know, sort of describe and write down the identity of a goalkeeper that what you'd want, mm. it would probably look something like Dane in the end of it with his, yeah. his range and his size and his feet. And mm. so he's, 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 as JP said, he's a, he's a project, but uh, we're excited about what he could become. Use the word project. I think that also is perhaps what many view Major League Soccer as a whole as. Mm. We've seen a lot of activity over the last couple of, of weeks. Amaron going out, which we'll get to shortly. The Acosta move didn't go through the Paris Saint-Germain, but we, we see so many ins and outs now. Going back to when you first started in this league, to where MLS is now, it's got to be the best time to ever be involved in soccer in this country, hasn't it? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we're going back, what, 23 years now, so um, the league has grown exponentially. And I think even within the last five years, it's it's grown so much to where it's almost unrecognizable. Mm. Um, I think every facet of, of the league has grown. The, the quality play has improved, the training facilities, the stadiums, the, fan, the fans. Um, you know, and I think, I think these recent moves, the, the Almiron move, the um, Tyler Adams went to Leipzig, yeah. um, Alphonse Davies went to Bayern Munich. So this league is now a league where um, you can come here and it's a, it's a stepping stone to a, a top club in the world. I mean, players are going to top Bundesliga clubs and top clubs in Germany. Um, and it's just a testament to the to the quality of the league and, and where we've where we've come over over twenty three years. JP, where do you see this league in ten years' time? That's an interesting question because I remember in in uh, twenty years back, hmm. you know, in ninety six when I when I well I didn't really play in it I sat in the league. Um, Hello, though. <laughs> <laughs> 20 some odd years, but it, it's changed tremendously. And if you fast forward 10 years, it will be interesting to see whether we are more of a buying league or a selling league, because I think that's starting to change as you see the, the Almiron deal and Alphonse Davies and, and Martinez. Some of the others, Martinez. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're bringing big players in and no longer at the tail end of their career, but right. more in the middle of their careers. But we're also selling younger players. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the ownership group wants to do, the direction the league wants to go. Um, but I do see it growing. I see the fan base getting stronger and bigger. I see the game becoming a, a bigger tradition, a stronger tr- tradition amongst the, the people that watch it and the families and, and everyone involved. So I see a bright future. Fuller, Miguel Almiron, for me, one of the best players that's ever played in this league. First of all, your, your thoughts on the move. And then, I, I've never really asked you this before. You're a Newcastle United fan. Why? Well, let's start out with the good news is that Newcastle United uh, got Miguel Almiron. Mm. Uh, just watched him for the last two years up close and personal. Um, we all know what he can bring, clearly, against the Loons. But I, I think that what he can bring to Newcastle United, especially you know the, the, the way that Ralph is playing now, is sitting back and defending properly, is that on the counterattack, he's going to bring a substantial... Uh, kind of spark to, to what we've got we don't have much going forward in terms of pace um, especially centrally so I think Miguel's going to be really good for Newcastle and uh, bad news is I am a Newcastle fan and I have been for, for many many years and that won't change um, but they, they did splash a bit of cash and I'm really excited um, and uh, I, I'm hoping Rafa stays uh, beyond this year and, and we uh, move forward by the way, the, the one downside is that he's gone to Newcastle. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're getting the call from your agent and it's one of them. 
I, the deal's back on to England. Oh, where is he? Tottenham or, you know, West Ham? No, it's Newcastle. Newcastle. <laughs> Where's that? Yeah. Get the map out. Well, playing in front of 55,000, 60,000 is never a bad thing. No, so we're only joking. I think it'll enjoy it. Playing in front of 80,000 at Lanza. Yeah. It's a great club and uh, I, think they'll, I think the fans will really like the way that he plays. If there's something they like up there, they like a big number nine and they like somebody who can dribble and run with the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids are just... Kids can do that. It's fantastic. It'd that. be great. But but where did the initial love from Newcastle United come from? You know, my brother had gone over there when he was young. Um, it's some tour and, and brought back uh, a Shura jersey. And I just happened to be, you know, watching a bit of, of, of soccer then on the television, which, you know, before that didn't really exist. And it was a famous 4-3 Liverpool game. And we were, I think we were 12 points up in the league and flying at Christmas. And then it got later in the spring. And Keegan's, Ke- Keegan's, Keegan's in, meltdown, in, in, live on world TV. Yeah, mm-hmm. infamous rant on television. Also, it was just uh, such an exciting time for Newcastle United. They played incredibly uh, fun football to watch. But uh, I fell in love with, with the club. And I've been over quite a few times to St. James's and seen them at Goodison, seen them in, in London. So it's... Um, it's not going to change. I mean, I was going to fan, but it's it's a difficult period. It's my favourite stadium to go to and call a game at is St James. It's just the atmosphere is fantastic. Eh? It sort of resonates throughout the whole city as well, doesn't it? It's a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, it's wonderful. You can go and you know having a drink before the game and seeing all the black and white throughout the town. But uh, it's it's a wonderful place. I think it's one of them clubs that if any of our supporters of you know sitting listening to this driving the car listening to the podcast and they're thinking of going to England some stage to go and watch a team St James's would be an incredible place to go the whole city comes alive on the day of the game once you know one club city everybody loves the the tune and it's uh, yeah it's it's a special place great club I'll um I'll go to you too uh, Watto and JP shortly about your, your travels internationally I know Watto you, you were in the the wonderful city of Birmingham which we'll get to at, at some yes, stage we'll during the, the just recovered have you watched he's still on the tablets but hey he's getting out he's, he's getting back he's alright he's doing okay that's why you've got the two glasses of wine and ice is that, is that wine? <laughs> that's it um, Gaff I've got to talk to you about Everton um, uh-huh. and what what has gone on this season yeah. there was a lot of people calling for the manager's head already uh, it, first of all for me it's ridiculous give the chap an opportunity but yeah. wh- where do you put this season so far compared to previous years I think that the one thing that we have to look at and the worrying aspect is that whether well, they were the right choices at the time Roberto did, did quite well with the club mm. after Moise being there for a long time and then it was like, oh, this is not good enough, we've got to do more. And then Ronald Koeman comes in, so they pay a king's ransom to get Ronald and then give him a fortune to spend. Then that doesn't go well. And then it's all Sam Allardyce, is, you know, the firefighter. We're going to get relegated. I don't think they'd ever got relegated, but... And then Sam had a bit of money. And then Sam wasn't good enough, they didn't like the football, and now Marco Silva. You know, I think it's... You know, we've got to be careful what the club becomes. You can't become a revolving door of managers coming in and out and giving each manager 100 million, 150 million because they're going to be what they eventually will become, which is a nothing club because what happens is they have no identity, they have no plan, they have no short-term, medium and long-term plan to what the club should become. And that's never been the club's style. You know, mm. they've, if you look at them, they've probably had 
eight or nine managers before that over 50, 60 years. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous that now we've ended up with, what, four or five in three years. Mm. So this can't continue. Obviously, I think everybody's really disappointed. You know, you'd have to say at this moment in time, have they spent the money wisely? Because we spent 300 million in the last, with the last two managers. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, is the team better that runs out every week? I'm not sure it is. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, that's disappointing. <clears throat> but it, it's difficult now in the Premier League. You know, what, yeah. what are Everton now? Are they better than Liverpool? No, probably not at the minute. Are they better than Man United, Man City? Probably not. Yeah. Arsenal, Tottenham. So are they a seventh place club? Maybe. Mm. But if you were to ask any Evertonian with the history that the club have got, how many times they've won the title, how many times they've been relegated, most points in, than any team in the Premier League history, you know, they don't see themselves as a seventh place club. Mm. And unfortunately, at this moment, that's what they might be. And that's it, it, it's so bizarre in the Premier League right now, doesn't it? It's a question to, to all of you now. We'll use Everton as an example, finishing seventh, eighth, ninth every year. Ultimately, I'll start with you, JP. Ultimately, does that define success in the Premier League now if you're not amongst the top clubs? I think that depends on the club. Mm. I think that depends on, on you know, when the manager first goes in the door, you know, what they define as success. Is it finishing in the top four? Is it finishing in the top half of the table? I think it, it's hard to say, um, but it really depends on the situation. It depends on the club. It depends on the manager and the, and the agreement they come to with the, the board of directors. Mm. Also... I think there's the top six, and they're and they're they're clearly um, miles ahead of everyone. Then there's a group that their their goal is just to survive, and then there's a little group in the middle where they have aspirations of doing something a bit more. And I think I think some of the success stories recently are, and they've been quite incredible. Wolves are a big success story. I think Bournemouth are a success story. So there's certain clubs that have have kind of taken them out of the. I, I don't think. And I think Bournemouth still think about relegation, but they've done well enough. And Leicester, there's, there's some clubs that have kind of defied the odds, and they're now in that little middle band where, you know, they want seventh place. They're they're trying to get in those in those top places. So well, two big clubs in the Midlands, though, Leicester and Wolves. Yes, I mean yes, it's, it's an interesting division, but um, you know, I think there's a couple couple tiers to it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a short break because, <laughs> unsurprisingly, we've already gone over the allotted time for the first segment. So stay with us. More to come from the Loon Dive Coaches Corner.